You know what's funny? People told me, many people, since we have millions of listeners across the globe, last week that I sounded totally different because of the mic setup. And I don't know if it was because I was in one of the WGM Plus studios and it was a different microphone, or because I recorded that episode at 10 in the morning on a Saturday, which meant that I was barely awake, I had not had coffee, nor breakfast. And this week, this week you're recording on just kind of your normal, a normal microphone. Well, it would, no, it's still, I'm still at WGN. Just in a, just a very intimate setting. Well, you keep saying this. It's not like, like, like I'm like your make- own, your own personal studio. I, I picture, I picture the room that you are currently in basically like a coat closet with a tiny little desk set up and just a single microphone. Am I about, am I about on point? I'm Stargate Pioneer from the Starling Tribune, a podcast member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the one you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other podcasts at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. I mean, kind of, yeah. Actually, there's no ventilation, to my knowledge, in this room kind of at all. So I'm like, I'm, st- I'm going to be struggling by the end because I'm hot. Yeah, and I think all that equipment gets pretty warm, doesn't it? No, no, no. Oh, you're, yeah, you, oh, you, so you're like spicy hot. I meant, well, I meant sexual, but but I didn't think you would take it that way. You're spicy. Right. Or caliente. Or picante. That's incredibly racially insensitive. <laughs> and I guess my next question is, are you PC, bro? So welcome back, listener. Yeah, hey. So this is... We do... Here's what our podcast is. This is... We're kind of a what you've been... We've historically been kind of a what you've been playing kind of a podcast. Where, like, John and I just kind of talk about what we've been playing. Sometimes it's old games. Sometimes it's new games. Sometimes it's no games. Like, kind of in the... Uh, kind of in today's episode. But you do have stuff to talk about, actually. A little, little bit. Yeah. So there's that. But now, like... Now, with various changes in accessibility, I'm, we're starting to have, like, guests. Like, I had uh, attorney, ace attorney Sam Castry III on the podcast to talk about video game law, an episode that maybe John will even listen to someday. You know, I didn't get a chance to listen to that yet, uh, but it did sound very interesting to ignore. Well, but, that's because I was on it. But... Um, it did. It did sound like it might be a pretty interesting episode. Uh, it so. was. It was fascinating. People loved it. Uh, rave reviews everywhere. Please. Did you make any Ace Attorney jokes? Did I, I you inter- say objection? I introduced him as Sam Castry, Ace Attorney, which is how he asks to be introduced, and uh, I, it went exceptionally well. And it, I, you, you made me lose my train of thought with your stupid, with your stupid interjections. So all thank of you the, for that. all of the Ace Attorney jokes, and the only one that you used was. Introducing him as Ace Attorney. What else was what? I mean, have you played Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney? That's a missed opportunity. It doesn't matter what I've played. You were yes. the one doing the interview. I, I, how am I supposed to have retroactively played? No, what you should have done your homework like normal people do before they interview celebrities. That is that and would make us not unqualified. I was trying to be on brand. Is what was happening there. It worked. It worked. Thank I can already you. tell the episode was horrible. See, I'm on brand. Well, Sam's part was really good. I bet. But, you know, there I was to drag it down into the dredges of sunken pirate ships from the past. We'll just call it Classic Cody. Yeah, let's call it Classic Cody. Speaking of Classic Cody, so our episodes historically for 120-ish episodes have been kind of what you've been playing, but now we're expanding, so... So from week to week, you're you're going to hear one or the other. And this week happens to be a What You've Been Playing, which is unfortunate because that means that John Martin will be allowed to talk. And, you know, we all know how that usually ends. And the best part is I haven't really been playing anything. So that yeah. makes my portion of this podcast even better. Yeah, even even worse. Even worse than usual. So you're in for a treat, listener. Now, there, we've always got something to say. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a podcast. Am I right? Am I Actually, right? 
Am I right? That's actually not, that's not necessarily true. We might actually sit here and do this even if we didn't have anything to say. Yeah, that's probably true. No, I'm not trying to disparage this episode. I'm just like, uh, I'm trying to set up expectations. You are setting expectations. That is a strong, classic Cody move. So it is. It's it's a good idea. Yes. So I'm just letting you know, like, that's kind of what's up. So, you know, the title of the episode is going to be kind of a lifestyle catch up is what I titled it. Right. But we're going to talk about a couple different things, including I have a little brief Hearthstone story because I, I know you're so sick of hearing me talk about it. But there's a story that should be of interest, whether you've played the game or not. And uh, I will give a brief Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain update because it's basically the best game ever made. And John and I actually both recently pr- uh, played the first few hours of the same game, which rarely happens. So we'll give our shared first impressions of Final Fantasy Type-0, all on this episode of Unqualified Gamers. Which, by the way, Unqualified Gamers ripped off by Radiolab. Have you heard of Radiolab, John? I've heard of C-Lab. Are they similar? So C-Lab is a TV show that's a cartoon on, a, on Adult Swim on Cartoon Network. Radiolab is a podcast? Are they similar? Does that sound similar to you? But it's called C-Lab. Okay, all right. What about, okay. Well, then yeah, they're actually the same thing, I think. It's so, hard to know. It's just ripping off everything. Then. All right, so C-Lab... The podcast. All right, remember like four or five episodes ago, I talked about the crypto locker virus? You did. Yeah. So, listener, if you missed it, you know, go back and check it out. But I talked about this virus I got. It's called the crypto locker and my, my, my tale with the FBI and all this stuff. Well, look, uh, uh, three weeks later, Radiolab does an episode about the crypto locker. Not only did they interview a woman who had a very similar experience to mine, but... She read the ransom note on the podcast that that the hackers gave her to get her files back. It was verbatim the same ransom note that I got. And it's, al- it's almost as if they target multiple people with this scam. Yeah, I know. How, what is the chances of that? I, I think the chances are actually really high. I don't think so. There are six billion people in the world, right? There is a lower chance of winning the lottery and people still do it every day someone wins a lottery that's actually not true yeah that is true someone wins old lotteries somewhere every day I, not maybe not like powerball but when it, there's a drawing every day somewhere uh, you're probably right yeah i know th- yeah i am probably right there you go hook line sinker mathematics degree you know i only missed one question on the act in the math section i, I, I don't a, even i, I got think a 35 on the math portion of the act that's actually pretty impressive that's ridiculously impressive and i'm not the, good at math what the hell happened to you i have no idea i i outscored like a couple of our friends who are way smarter than me in every other way I, i'm not even good i failed geometry in, it's, like, eighth, seventh grade or whatever. It's really a shame that you are illiterate because you could have done really well on the test. As I have a, a story about literacy that's going to come up later in this podcast. When Man, I talk about gripping literacy stories on this episode of Unqualified Gamers. You literally talked about a science fiction short story two episodes ago. Oh, that story's so good, though. You really need Was to read it? that. If flowers, you could, flowers for Albania? If you could read, you would really love that story. Flowers for Agamemnon? I've already read the Odyssey. Or Agamem- the Iliad. Agamemnon, it's close. That's close. I know it was. Well, that's fine. Okay. Well, all right, whatever. So anyway, uh, shout out to Radiolab for ripping me off. I mean, really, they didn't, but it was, it was, an, it was just annoying because I see it, and the thumbnail image for the podcast was the same. It was literally the same thumbnail that I used, only like a different angle, but it was the same screen, basically. So I'm just like, thanks, Radiolab. You're dumb. Because I, I know more people listen to them because they're like a very popular podcast. And it just sucks. It's like a, it's like a stand-up comedian who, is like, who tells a joke and it's really funny, and, but no one knows who he is. And then The Tonight Show tells the same joke the next night. And then the stand-up comedian's like, well, that sucks. Yeah, but the stand-up comedian can be like, I did it first. So you can just say, you know what? We did it first. You know what? We did it first. Absolutely. Wow, I feel better after doing that. How did you know, know that would work? I just know. Classic Cody. Well done. So why that? where have you been? Why haven't you been doing episodes with me? And why haven't you been playing video games? Well, I've been... So 
I've been like on on the normal schedule that kind of I've been keeping for this show for maybe the past two ish months. It feels like where um, I, I I seem to be able to to get one in an episode in about every other week, right? I think I've pretty consistently hit every other week. Yeah. Um, and this is mostly due to the fact that that my wife and I were getting ready to put our house on the market, which is something that we decided we were going to do over the summer and kind of planned uh, planned with like our, our real estate agent about when we were going to do it, how it best fit into like our schedule of travel. And, you know, I was like on vacation one week. Um, and so there's been like the summer's just been busy in general anyway, because summers are busy. But then um, I was also traveling for work, right? So like all of this stuff was going on. I was incredibly busy. And then we decided, hey, we're going to take on the added stress of listing the house for sale. That sounds like a really good idea. Um, sounds like an we, excellent idea. You should have had me come up and list it for you. I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know. Would you put it on social media? Not Is, legally. What are you clicking in the background? Would you? I can hear you clicking. It's crazy. I don't know how, how can you even talk and tell a story while clicking? Like, I want to know. Are you playing solitaire? If you're playing solitaire, you're the first person in like 30 years to play solitaire. Okay, so the the point is, is like we decided to take on this added responsibility of listing our house. And so we picked a day. It was like September, what weekend is it? It doesn't matter what your it name like, is. It was like two weeks. It was like a week and a half ago. We decided we were going to list the house uh, on, a, on, like a, on like a Thursday night or something. And that would... I don't know. I don't know how real estate works, but basically our realtor said, if you list it Thursday night, anybody searching for a house that they want to go look at over the weekend will get to see it and you'll probably get some showings like immediately. So we were anticipating like, okay, we're going to like list our house for sale and then it's going to be a while and we can like prep for the winter and like get our, our stuff collected and like get into the, the flow of what our new schedule is because you know, I just started this new position two weeks ago. I just started a new position at my at my job two weeks ago. Oh, you're Mr. Manager. Congratulations, Mr. Manager. Yeah, thanks. I don't know if I've recorded since then, but I don't have to travel anymore, which is probably the, the biggest boon of the new position. So um, we anticipated the house to be on the market. I think we never actually talked about how long we assumed it would be on the market. I think we, I think we were both feeling like a, a month-ish it would be on the market. Um, and... We, it, you know, in the meantime, we were also looking at houses because that's what you do. Like we were also touring houses. I think we, up until that point, we had looked at like twenty houses already. Zowza. We hadn't even sold. We hadn't even sold our house yet. So um, we put the house on the market. And the way the way it works now in real estate, it's not like you go to the newspaper and you like see a house for sale in the newspaper, and then you decide I'm going to go there. Now it's all done online, obviously. And your your realtor, at least this is the way it worked for us, our realtor set up this like account for us with a like the main real estate website that alerted us every time a showing got booked for our house. And so we listed the house actually Thursday night. And our realtor was like, now just make sure that when you leave on Friday, you have the house prepped and ready just in case. Well, our first showing ended up being like Friday at 10 a.m. And then... The showings continued over the course of the weekend. On Friday, we had like six showings going into about 8 o'clock at night. On Saturday, we had showings from 9.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m., like literally straight. It was a block of time. We just had to be completely out of the house because there were showings that entire time. Where and did then, you go? You don't have friends you could hang out with. We went to my mother-in-law's. Oh, uh, okay. And then, and then Sunday... We had showings from like 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock. And on Sunday evening, we got an offer on the house. What? So the house literally sold in like a day and a half, two days. That is too fast. How does that happen? So it was crazy. Um, And it was a very, that part was a very easy process. You know, we've got a great realtor. It was, they gave us an offer we countered their offer and they accepted and like we were done all the papers got signed like the next morning and everything was done that we need to do for that house which was crazy well congratulations on selling your house and you're not when are you going to come start staying on my couch so i was afraid i was going to have to do that that was a legitimate fear because we weren't 
we had already looked at so many houses. We didn't find anything that we loved. And we had been looking for a couple months just casually because we hadn't sold our house yet. But now that the house sold, you know, we have a closing date of October 29th. And it really lit a fire. It's like, you guys need to find a house now, right? Because on October 29th, you got nowhere to go. So for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of the following week, so we've been out of our house now from basically Thursday night through the weekend. On Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, every single one of the nights, we went out and looked at houses until about 8.30. So over the course of that week, I, I literally didn't get home until like 9.30 each one of those nights. And on Monday and Tuesday, we looked at about eight houses each of those days. And we didn't find we didn't find the house on either of those days. And honestly, both of us were getting a little discouraged because we had a list set up. We had basically exhausted all of the houses on the list. Um, I think there were about two left that we hadn't seen. And so we decided we we're going to go see these houses on the next day. Well, the next day, a new house popped up on our list. Uh, in our air, in the area that we're looking, f- matching our criteria, and we're like, okay, well, it, it looks nice, like it looks like a lot of these other houses look when you look at the pictures. We should go see this. Um, and re- keep in mind, this was the first day it popped in the market, so we 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 had already planned on seeing other houses that night. We booked the visit with our realtor, and we and so you know we got done with work, we went out to the house, and it was it, for us, it was like the perfect house. Aww. So we were like, we want, we want this house. Like, we want to buy this house. And so we went through that process of putting in the offer. Um, we put in the offer on Friday morning. It was actually Thursday night. Put the offer in on Friday morning. We got a counter offer on Sunday afternoon. I think we countered that counter, and they countered one more time. And then we accepted that count. That wow, final hard negotiations. Hard. It was. It was. Yeah, absolutely. It was very. It was actually. It was just nerve wracking. The amount of time that passed between those things felt like an eternity, when in fact it obviously wasn't. It was just a couple of days. But it was very nerve wracking. It was very nerve wracking because we loved the house so much. We were really afraid that before, if there were no papers signed, you know, there was going to be another offer on the house, and that's like a for a buyer, that's a terrible scenario to be in because. It, it just increases the amount of money it's going to cost you if you want to buy the house. So we got the accepted offer. The papers were signed today. I think we got all of the final papers signed. Um, and so now we have a closing date of October 29th, and we're going to be in a new house. Well, happy birthday to my sister. I'm glad that you're closing in your house as a birthday present to my sister. And that's kind of a stupid gift that she's not going to appreciate, but I mean, that's fine, you know. So, spoiler alert, she doesn't know this, but the gift is the house. Spoiler alert. We bought her a house. That was, I, I I think we might have, I think we might have gone a little overboard on this gift personally, but you know, she's worth it. She's your sister, right? No, what's really weird is I've got my phone face down in front of me, in front of the control board, and I literally picked it up to glance at it, and I have two texts from my sister. And that's because those... it's, it's her birthday in a month. That How does... This is so weird. That was weird. All right. Well, I'll tell her that you got the house for her, and that's nice. She, But she is she, she likes living in Chicago? So well, I... we'll hold on to it for her until she's ready to, to move in and take it from us. How does that sound? Oh, to the frozen tundra? You know the number one reason she almost didn't move to Chicago is because she hates cold weather? Well, that's... Minnesota's... Um, it's only slightly colder. Oh, yeah? Is that right? I mean, I don't... Look, slightly is obviously a subjective term, so my slightly is different than your slightly, but, you know, whatever, man. Yeah, all right. Well, whatever. Well, congratulations on the new house. I can't wait to come stay in it for MartinCon next year and destroy it by playing video games and drinking uh, bottled Mountain, a glass bottled Mountain Dew. I think MartinCon could house more people next year. Like, I think it's going to be a very comfortable, pretty awesome event the next time that we do it. I'm jazzed, dude. I'm super pumped. I'm super tramp. I'm super tramp pumped. I'm Lady in the Tramped. Am I allowed to say that? Is that... Is that a is that still PC, bra? Are you allowed to say tramp? Lady in the tramp? I th- think so. That's no, I'm, a, I'm, that's a dog. I'm pretty sure some movement has boycotted that because it's Disney and they're they're not PC, bra, are they? I think they're anti-Semitic. 
Are they? <laughs> is that what Disney is? I think what I think what Disney was in fact like. Wait, a, actually, I think Walt I did Di- hear that. Walt Disney was like a legitimate anti-Semite. Yes, yeah. he was. What a jerk! No, he was all right. You know, his dad did construction on the uh, on the Columbia, the world's Columbian Exposition in Chicago. I don't know if you're. I mean that. That doesn't sound like something you should know, so I'm going to assume that that's actually true. It is, and actually that is literally the perfect segue into my next topic about Hearthstone and the Chicago World's Fair. Okay, so tell me about how Hearthstone relates to the Chicago World's Fair. No, but this is actually a thing. So I started reading Devil in the White City. Have you heard of it? No. All right, Devil in the White City. It sounds dumb. it It came out a few years ago, and basically everyone in Chicago has read it. It is in my bag right now. Let me grab it. Dude, I don't know why. Why do you need to grab it? Because I want to know who wrote it. All right, I forgot the name of the author. Okay, I it's, believe uh, it was Odysseus. It was not Odysseus. Odysseus. This is uh, not Odysseus. Actually, when did it come out? It came out uh, somewhat recently. So it's by Eric Larson, and it was a, a national. It, it was a national book award finalist. Although I quite frankly think that it should have won many things. And it is copyright 2003, okay? So it came out a little over 10 years ago. Pretty much everyone in Chicago has read this book. This is like one of those books where you're riding the train and like everyone is either reading Game of Thrones, something you've never heard of, or Devil in the White City. It's really so- interesting because I've never heard of this book. And I feel like I'm pretty up to date on like pop, pop culture, which this sounds like it's part of. It might be a Chicago thing. Um, so it's a it's a historical novel. It's it's not really historical fiction, because it is ba- like all of the quotes and events are based on letters that were written, and it's like completely historically accurate. But the White City was the nickname for the Columbian Exposition, which is the Chicago World's Fair in the eighteen nineties. And uh, that's the White City, and the devil part is about the first serial killer in America, H.H. Holmes, who I don't know, you like horror movie stuff, but I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy. I do. I don't know if... I don't know if I've ever heard of him, though. He doesn't okay. sound familiar to me. Yeah, he, he, he. I believe his victim count was like over 200 or something ridiculously high. Um, just completely outrageous. But um, So this book is a, really a historical account of... On one hand, of the construction of the Chicago World's Fair with, uh, like, with architects, um, Mr. Burnham and Olmsted, who also de- um, designed the, uh, Central Park in New York, and, and all the architecture firms that were involved in like, how these characters kind of get involved in the process and, and how the buildings were developed and things. It's really, really interesting. Um, it gives you a big, like, broad history of the architecture and things. And at one point, it mentions that Walt Disney's father was working on one of the buildings at the Chicago World's Fair. So that's why that segue actually happened. And then on the other hand, there are some other chapters that are about H.H. H. Holmes, how he came to Chicago, how he swindled people into constructing this giant building and uh, and basically just d- doing unspeakable things there. And, and killing people. So I'm about halfway through Devil in the White City. It's a very quick read. Um, I, I'm over 200 pages into it, and I started like a week ago. And I don't read many books, like, ravenously. Like, I, I can get into a book. I've, I've started reading many books lately. But, like, I got, like, a bunch of chapters into Catch-22, and I got kind of bored, so I just kind of stopped. Like, this is the first book that has been one of those, like, I can't put this down books. And... The reason it relates to Hearthstone is because it has replaced Hearthstone as my commuter activity, which I think speaks to the strength of the book. So generally before it was get on the train, pull out Hearthstone, play a few games, be at work, right? Or leave work, same thing, get home. So that stopped completely until tonight, actually. Well, actually, for a while, I was kind of thinking about it. And I'd still play Hearthstone in the bathroom or whatever, but, but not a lot. I've barely played the last week or so. So tonight, after work, I got off, like, extra late. Uh, let's say I got off about an hour and a half before the podcast tonight. I spent the entire hour and a half playing Hearthstone. I did not take out Devil in the Wade City. I didn't look at it. I only played Hearthstone. And it totally blew. And I hate that game. And it's stupid. <laughs> and I played several different decks. And... I literally, for an hour and a half straight, this is like over 10 games, 
I literally played a mage every single match except one, paladin. Like like playing on ladder or playing in arena? Playing on ladder. That seems kind of weird. Literally, ninety percent were mages, and there are nine character classes in the game. Listener, in case you don't play, so of the nine, I only played mages, which is the popular one, and it was boring and it was tedious. And I lost for stupid reasons. And at one point I lost I lost to a guy. I was doing really well and I was holding in there. And he played, like, he had eight turns in a row where he played a legendary on every single turn. Legendary is the most rare uh, rarity of card you can get in the game. And, and I thought to myself, I'm like, what, is there really joy or satisfaction in just playing the most expensive, difficult to uh, acquire cards in the game and winning? Like, does that make you feel good when you're like, oh, my deck is worth, I don't know, like $400 and I'm playing against a guy whose deck is worth like maybe 100 Like, does that make you feel good? Do you feel like you're a good player at the game? Do you feel like you've like exercised some superior skill at gaming that, that like makes you feel good about how smart you are and how strategic you are when you or mommy and daddy decided to buy a bunch of packs of cards so that you have a bunch of legendaries that can just objectively destroy any other deck. Like, is that is that a good, satisfying, fulfilling feeling, Hearthstone players? I want to know. Email me, unqualifiedpodcast at gmail.com, or, or leave some comments somewhere. I really want to know. Is that a good feeling? John, if you had, like, half a deck of legendaries and, and then you were playing against, like, a guy with maybe, like, two or three rare epic cards, like, would that make you feel really good about yourself? So no and and to be honest like I I don't really play ladder kind of at all in that game for fun like at all I just I don't I don't really enjoy it I think for a lot of the same reasons why you're why you are complaining right now I just I feel like there's no way to make it even because if somebody's like if somebody's climbing the ladder and they and they like know they're going to be winning a bunch of games at, or at like lower ranks, um, you could, you could run into them when they're ultimate, when they're actually playing like a, you know, they could actually be playing like a, a rank five deck and you're rank 20 or something. And you just happen to run into them while they're climbing the ladder. And then it's really not fun at all. Cause you just get completely stomped by them. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I, and so I, I've had similar experiences like that. The game never has honestly never made me angry. Like that game, for some reason, I just, that is not the game that has made me angry before. I have gotten angry by playing games before. It just hasn't been that game. Mm. Um, but I would just so much rather play Arena when I play that game. And it's it's pretty much, as long as I have the money to pay for an Arena run, it's pretty much the only way I play that game for that very reason and that everybody has to go through the same drafting process. And maybe you get a little luckier with your draft and that does happen. But the decks are, will just always be more equal in yeah. that particular game mode. And so that's... More, that's Yeah, more right. equal. It, right. It's never going to be perfectly equal because everybody's going to have a different draft. Um but it's going to be more equal than it is in ladder i think in general so yeah yeah and there's not there's not like the other thing that you don't have to keep up with you don't have to keep up with a, a meta game that is constantly shifting where like one deck is strong at one point in the meta and then a couple months pass and then another deck is what's become strong in the meta that and it, it was a deck that countered some of the original decks like there's no research that has to be done you just go into the arena and you see three cards and you pick one of the three and then you do that until you have a deck. I mean, right? it's, it's more even, but I still feel like the arena can be very broken. If someone drafts two legendaries in one deck that are really powerful and gets otherwise very good cards, or they decide to make a mech deck and they happen to draw a bunch of cards that give it really great synergy, then they're going to stomp you and you're still going to get stomped sometimes, even when you're outplaying the other person. And I know we've talked kind of to death on this podcast about, like, the amount of luck involved and and factors like that. But I just—all I'm saying is that I was infinitely less happy this evening from playing that game than I would have been if I had just picked up Devil in the White City and continued. And I wish I had done that. So, listen, I would encourage you to, rather than play Hearthstone, read a book. Any book. Just find a book. Or play another game. What if you read— 
a book about how to win at Hearthstone. No, nope, there are no books about how to win at Hearthstone. I think that playing Hearthstone would be better than reading my new 15-page novel, published today, about how to win at Hearthstone. Really? I think, playing, I think playing Hearthstone might be better than reading my book. All right. Well, I'm not saying every book is better, but I'm saying that I, for one, found that that was better and more fulfilling and enjoyable. And I am, I'm not taking a break from Hearthstone because, like I said, it's still fun to play if I'm, if I'm taking a poop. But in any other instance, I really have no desire to play it. And I think it's somewhat appropriate that I do it while sitting on the can because sometimes I want to throw the game in the can. So that's to- so Hearthstone is totally a game for me that I have I have fallen in and out of love with multiple times. Like there have been multiple times where I have played that game passionately for a couple of weeks, played you know like 5 to 10 matches a day. Some of those some of those weeks and then put it down and not come back to it for month for months. And I think that that's a totally legitimate way to play that game. I think that that way of playing Hearthstone that, like I said, that like falling in and out of love with it is is for like a, the casual fan of the game is a totally legitimate way to play it. And the reason why I think that is is because I, I've, I've learned about that game. So when I initially played that game, I was like, I, you know, I think if, if I do my daily quests every single day and um, and I play the arena when I want to, um, I could... Get, I bet you I could get every card with the amount of gold that you could, that you get, that they give you in the game, right? By not spending my own money. Right. And I'm like, I bet I could complete a collection by myself. I don't know if you had that feeling when you first sat down with it, but but I did. And maybe that was because there hadn't been any expansions released yet or anything. Yeah. Maybe. Or maybe you're just bad at counting. Um, I, you know, I don't know. But it, it didn't feel overwhelming. But I realized that... There is no way for you to get all of the cards in the game unless you spend real money. And I was always more of the collector and less of the less of like the actual player of the game. So once I realized that, it made it much easier for me to set the game down. Uh yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's yeah. It's is like is I guess my point. I don't I don't have a point other than that I uh I, th- I think it's a stupid game. You know, your argument is legitimate. There are a lot of video games out there that you can play that you don't fall in and out of love with. There's a lot of games out there where you're just like, this game is awesome, I'm going to play it all the time. Like Metal Gear Solid Five, which, like, never makes me angry. Ever. I'm always like, I'm playing the most awesome game ever. The end. Like, that's just kind of how it is. So, I don't know. I wish there were a mobile game which would do the same thing. A mobile game that you could pick up and play and be like, that was awesome. I'm very happy I played this game, then put it down. And have that continue, as opposed to every other time you play, you're like, ugh, I just lost because of dumb reasons that are very dumb. You know, uh, that's that's what I would wish for. So all, all I can tell you is that another deck having better cards than your deck in a collectible card game is not a dumb reason for somebody to beat you. Yes, it is. This is where we differ. This That's is where fine. we differ. This is where we yeah. differ. There needs to be a there needs it needs to be a balanced game, and you a customizable card game is inherently imbalanced, right? Except for like the top levels. So that is why it's dumb, and you're dumb. Mic drop. Now what? It's, it's a strong argument. It's a Thank strong, you. It's a strong, strong argument. All right. Well, yeah, great. So, yeah, no. Anyway, uh, well, I, I just mentioned it. So just real quickly, I know I was going to end the podcast with this, but Metal Gear Solid Five is still awesome. Uh, I, I have nothing to say other than how awesome it is. That's really it. How far in what are you? I don't even know. I haven't even checked. It's probably 50 or some hours. I'm still about 30% game completion. I guess I meant in terms of story missions. Like, how many story missions are you are you, you know, through? You know, I haven't done a lot. I'm honestly not even at story mission number 20 yet. And I, th- I think there's, like, over 50. I don't even I know. I think there's about 30, from what I understand. 30? That can't be right. No, I think it's. I think that's about how many there are. That literally can't be right. I'm Googling it. All right. How many missions are in? We're to find this out is, right now. How this many is missions? live Googling right here. Yeah, you heard it here first. Uh... This person says I have reached, well, I'm going to say that you were wrong and I was closer to right. So, I don't know. I think it's closer to 50. 
I'm going to say. So I don't, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, you're dumb. Uh, so I win that argument. Ha ha. But anyway, I, I'm not I'm not far. So actually in the last like 10 to 20 hours, I've only played like four or five missions maybe just because I've been so into the side ops and all the other optional stuff you can do and going back and getting better ratings on old missions and doing side. Yeah, there's just so much to do in the game and it's just so awesome all the time that uh, I didn't progress much. And then the other day I got to a point where I was like, I should like play the game and like get to the main stuff. So I did like three or four in a row. And the next time I sit down to play it, I'm going to play another few. So I'm going to get to like mission 20 something before I, before I start meandering again. The last time we talked, you hadn't recruited any like um, helpers, which I understood you could get in, in the game on various missions. Have you done that now? Yes. Is that cool? Because it sounded cool from what I heard other people talking about. Uh, which helper thing? You're talking about like Diamond Dog and Quiet? Yeah, yeah, yeah like I, Diamond Dog with a knife in its mouth, right? I, I don't have the knife in its mouth yet. So, yeah, you get these companions you can send on missions with you, and it's awesome. So to start with, you you can bring the horse, and there's a horse you can ride. And, like, that's cool or whatever, but that's it's just a horse you can ride. And then later you get a you get another thing that I won't spoil, and then Quiet, it's pretty well known, becomes a companion of yours, and she's a sniper, and she will sniper for you, and you can tell her to like sniper certain I mean snipe certain tar- targets that are in your binoculars, and she can like scout ahead at bases, and she's a huge help, and she like distracts enemies, so it makes some of the infiltration a little less tedious because instead of having to like very meticulously pick off people in the bases, you can kind of enlist her to do it from afar. And that's really helpful. And then there's diamond dog, which is a dog that can kind of do the same thing, but on a one-on-one basis and it'll run with you. So the dog actually just kind of hangs out with you and you can like send it to go attack one of the enemies, which distracts it. Or you can have it like search out and like sniff out where these guys are. So it'll mark targets so that you can see where the bad guys are without you having to see them. So it'll mark for you. So they're both really cool, and they are very different in the way they operate and the benefits they provide, and it's it's just really cool. The AI is very smart with them. They're not dumb. They don't, like... They're not, like, uh, just stupid kind of useless companions that get themselves killed right away or anything like that. But I believe you, they can take enough damage to where maybe they get removed. I'm, I'm not exactly clear on that. It hasn't happened to me, so who knows? But um, but I, I'm boy, enjoying. Boy, I feel like I want Diamond Dog. He sounds like a badass. Diamond Dog is a total badass. But Diamond Dog is really cool. Um, but I only recently got Diamond Dog. I mean, I I really like Diamond Dog a lot. And I like Quiet too. Like Diamond Dog, like will be standing there, and if you just stand next to him and hit a button, you pet him, and it's cute. It's just adorable. The, so, pet, I, the pet command, obviously, it's important for some reason as well. Well, because it's Hideo Kojima, and Kojima is awesome and does the coolest things of video games. So I don't know. The soundtrack continues to be amazing. The, the the controls continue to be amazing. Everything, everything about this game continues to be amazing. Like it, just, it feels like you're playing an unbelievably epic game. It just you're in it, and you're like, this feels like so epic. It's just the scale is it's. If it's a blockbuster video game, it's 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 one of the best blockbuster video games I've ever played. If not the like, it's it's one of the best games I've ever played. It's it just I'm really into it. Sweet. Yeah. The the um some of the controls are it, it there are parts of it that are in a way a little repetitive. You can only infiltrate a Russian base in Afghanistan so many times. Um, when you start to repeat bases, if you're doing extra side missions or you have to travel, it can get a little tedious. So there's my like non-worshipful comment about Metal Gear Solid Five. I also wish you could fast travel between bases a bit faster. Um, so there's this big open world terrain, right? And let's say there's like 50 bases in Afghanistan. If you need to get to a side op that's a bunch of bases away, um, I don't like having to call my chopper to pick me up and then drop me back off because that's annoying. Um, but if you run, it could take you like five minutes or something real time to get there. So why don't you just balloon yourself? <laughs> what, can you not? Can you not do that? It's called Fulton Recovery. Okay, John. sorry. Why don't you just Fulton yourself? Because I don't feel like it. Doesn't give you that option. It doesn't matter. It's it's awesome. You'll you'll I, you get can fold in yourself. You'll get this game someday, and you'll you and should you'll love try it. it. I bet you can uh, do and that. I'm very, um, what just happened? Hey, you. Hey, you played a game. Well, you started playing a game that I also started playing like a month ago, and now we can both talk about the same game. Yeah. So it was Diablo three. 
because I hate I fit, you so much. I will say uh, just very briefly that like with all like the busyness and stuff, I still like to try to carve out some time for me, like and that even if that's like a half an hour at a time, um, that's like the type, the time I have to play video games, and it's really hard to start something new, which I'm kind of in between games right now. It's hard to start something new in a half an hour, and so that's why Diablo three still has been really good for me because. I can get in, I, there's no story or anything, I can just turn my brain off, kill a bunch of crap, and then kind of get out. So it's been really good in this period of time with how busy that I've been to just be able to sit down and play it for like 20 minutes. Right. So I have been doing that occasionally. Um, but I did have time one night to start Final Fantasy Zero HD, which I got at the same time as my PlayStation 4 about a month and a half ago. I bought it at the same time, and I just have not gotten around to starting it yet. Final Fantasy Type Zero. Type Zero HD. What did I say? You said Zero HD. I, yeah. I wasn't really listening. Yeah, Final Fantasy Type Zero HD, which is an HD remaster of a PlayStation Portable game now being released on the PlayStation 4, as well as PC. Oh, did you get it on PS4? I did. Oh, why? Because I, I got it used for cheap. PC Master Race, brah. What's wrong with you? But my, my PC is no longer hooked up to my TV. What? Oh, because you're moving. Right. So, among other things, like the fact that I have a PS4 now means I, I feel like I don't need a PC in the living room anymore mm-hmm. at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway, um, I I got that and I finally got a chance to start playing it and I played through the first two chapters, which took me far longer than I thought it was going to. Right? Yeah. So, is that about how far you are into it as well? Actually, hold on. What was the, so the first chapter is the one where everything's on fire and you're in a war, right? It's ju- it just kind of feels like a prologue where like yeah, everything's on fire. You are in the middle of a city and stuff's going on. And then the second chapter is where you've done the first half of the second chapter is you do an entire tutorial about the city that you're in, about the like the the school that you're in, and then you go on a mission. Yeah, I never made it past the tutorial. Okay, so that it's tut- endless. Oh my god, that tutorial took me two hours of walking around the school so okay listener this is the way this game is set up um you can totally tell it was a portable game because it is set up to be these bite-sized missions you do kind of one at a time and those missions are then divided into chapters i don't know if there's multiple missions per chapter um i don't know how many chapters there are i'm I'm only two chapters in but it seems like there's a mission at least one mission per chapter um and the mission itself seemed to last anywhere from like 10 to 20 minutes because I played two missions and I actually repeated one mission once. So I've played three missions total. Wow. They're only from like 10 to 20 minutes. Um, and you, the, the premise of this game is you are a squad at this school, this elite squad of students called um, from class zero. And the classes go from zero to like 13. And there's a bunch of different city states in uh, the, the, the world that you are in. And there, and there's, th- I think four main ones and they're all at war with each other. Cause that's the direction that square made all their final fantasy games go at some point. Um, so all the city states are at war and you're part of this one city state called like the vermilion city state. And you are tasked with doing these different missions that the school sends you out on. And, you form a party, whatever party you wish, out of three members of this team of 12, um, which very quickly becomes a team of 14. So it's actually 14 members. Um, and they each have different weapons, and that creates different play styles for them on the field because this is an action RPG rather than being like a turn-based RPG. So um, you like have these different weapons. Like, like the main character, what seems like the main character to me, his name is Ace. Um, he uses throwing cards and or, or playing cards, and he throws them, um, kind of like Gambit. And Thank so, God. and so he's like a ranged character. But then there's there's other characters. There's like Trace or something, and he's a he's basically a dragoon in the lore of the series. And so he uses a spear. And so for like one one um, button makes you like thrust your lance forward. Then another button causes you to jump, like a dragoon would jump, and you you jump into into the enemy. Um, and then I just unlocked the ability to like put ability points, which you earn throughout the course of playing the game into new skills. And so you can actually, 
you only get four skills per character because they're mapped to the buttons and the controller, but you get you can pick from a variety of skills as you unlock them. So there's it seems like there's going to be more customization than what feels like in the when you very first kind of boot up the game. Yeah, like a skills tree kind of a thing. Kind of, sort of, yeah. Kind, kind of, sort of. of. Um, and and so that's like the combat system is kind of interesting. I don't know how I feel about it yet. First of all, it feels really clunky compared to a lot of other action games. So that's definitely to its detriment. Um, Actions don't feel like they're one-to-one. Like, it doesn't feel like I press a button and my character immediately takes the action that I am requesting him, him, he or she to take, which is a little frustrating, especially coming from games like Bayonetta, where things are instantaneous, you can cancel out of actions. Um, Even Dark Souls feels more responsive than this game to me as far as like an action game. And that game is deliberately intentional with its movements. So um, already like the game kind of feels a little clunky to me. Um, I don't know if you had that same feeling. Uh, A little. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I didn't think it was terrible, but yeah, it wasn't perfect. And it's, and there's also like a lock. So there's a lock on system where you lock onto the enemy and then it, there's like a, a randomized, um, I guess targeting reticle kind of that appears on the enemy and it, it goes between yellow and red. And if the reticle is yellow and you attack, you do extra damage with your attack. And if the reticle is, if the reticle is red, you instantly kill your target. So I haven't quite unlocked like the potential of, of how that works, but I felt like I was doing a lot of like dodging around and waiting for that reticle to appear and then attacking. And that was actually pretty, pretty satisfying to me. Um, to, to have, like, a timing mechanic there. Because otherwise it felt like I was just kind of mashing the buttons. Yeah. I I don't remember the combat very well. I, like, that tutorial, man, like, it just it just totally, uh, it totally skyward sorted me. Yeah, so what Cody's talking about is, like, I, I you finish the first chapter, and it's, like, a, probably half an hour long. And then you get into the second chapter, and, and um, the first chapter is like people have attacked your school. The second chapter is your school is like in the rebuilding process. And they talk to your characters about every single room in the school that you can use. And there's like 14 of them. And you can like go around to every single one of those rooms and talk to people in those rooms and figure out what those rooms are used for. And it is it is endless. It takes a very, very long time. And I didn't realize just how long it was going to take until I got done doing it and two hours had passed. Yeah. And I get what, I mean, I get what they're doing. The game is set up in these bite-sized chunks so that you play the game for a while. You use these different rooms like the blacksmith to unlock new weapons or, or, you know, like the magic, the magic place to get new magic for your characters. Um, Like I get why it's set up that way as a compartmentalized segmented game, but it just, it just did not work. Like it does not work as a tutorial. It is far too long. It needed to be rolled out. They could have just what they should have done is like rolled out mechanics to you like mission by mission and right. introduced it. Right. And that would yeah. have just solved the whole problem. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Um yeah. obviously they didn't do that. They just throw it all you up front, whatever. It, it just you just have to muscle through that if you want to play this game. And then I did the second mission, and the mission took like fifteen minutes. Um, but it was the first mission where I got to choose my party, and that was kind of fun. Um because I because the way this game is, like I said, set up is it's done chapters, but you have one persistent party and you can repeat missions to kind of level up other characters if you want. So there were characters, I played through the second chapter's mission, completed it, saved the game, and it was like chapter three. I wasn't ready to play chapter three yet. I needed to go to bed. But before I got into that, I just went back to the main menu and there's like a mission select. And you can literally just play the combat portion of any one of the missions that you've completed so I just went back into mission two. I started the mission up again. I picked a different set of three characters that I had never used before. And I played the mission through with them. And it was totally different. Because the, the, actual, the actual interesting part of the game is the differences in the characters' fighting styles that you play with. And the different party combinations you can create. Right. So I played I played through the mission again with three new pe- with three new characters. Got to the end. Got like a, a, new, a new grade on the mission. It was slightly higher. Um, and that leveled up those characters, you know, permanently. And so that kind of seems like what you need to do to keep your characters even, if you want to keep them even and level. Yeah, but I wonder if you're forced to use any particular party members later in the game. 
obviously you and I haven't played the game enough to know. Right. But that like, like cuz one of the biggest things that bothered me about Final Fantasy 12 was literally every character is the same, the exact same. And you are never at any point in that entire game required to have any one character in your party ever. So you could literally just keep the same three people in your party and use them through the whole game, and there's no reason to level up anybody else at all. See, I found that the job points made it so that you, in that game, this is a complete tangent, by the way. Um, I found that the that the job system made it so that you couldn't make all the characters the same because you didn't have enough job points to have them specialize in various weapons. Like, I had one person specialize in, like, spears and bows, and another person specialize in guns and one-handed swords, and another specialize in two-handed swords, and... You know what I mean? Yeah. You I didn't liked have enough... that game, though. No, I didn't. I really liked that game a lot, actually. Um, so anyway, back to Final Fantasy Type-0. Um, the, the, I will say, and maybe you didn't notice this, but this is an HD re-release. But it seems like they only up the textures on certain things and not everything. So... Like, the, you know, your main characters, of course, anytime they're in a cutscene, they they look beautiful. And any of the main NPCs in, like, your school look beautiful. But there was, like, a... At the start of Chapter 2, there was, like, a, a cutscene with the bad guys and, like, the bad guys' lackeys. Like, your no-named bad guy NPCs. And they were in a cutscene. Right. And, the, you know, the, the main bad guy, like, the lieutenant, whatever his name was, he was beautifully rendered in hd but then his his subordinates who were just the no-name guys were not up at all and they looked horrendous and they had them on the same screen together talking together and it was it was so it was so drastic of a difference that it was so dissonant to look at that it was very off-putting. I found that very off-putting. And it happened again when I was walking around the school. Like, having one character in gorgeous HD graphics and then another character with just these horribly muddy um, graphics. So I don't know if you noticed that, but look for that if you pl- when you play that game again. I think was, I was distracted by the voice acting. Tell me about the voice acting. It didn't seem very good. I don't it's know. so bad. <laughs> it, did, it seemed like it could be worse. But it didn't seem very good. I mean, we're not talking Resident Evil 1 level bad. But it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, it's bad. Okay, all right. Because I know you. the first time I talked about it, I mentioned I think it was bad, but I didn't know. And I was like, and you were like, well, I don't really pay attention to voice acting. It's but bad. It's, I mean, maybe you don't always notice when it's good, but I feel like you notice when it's bad. So I yeah, don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely notice it. it. It's not great. Um you know, I'm definitely going to give the game more time when I get time. I'm going to give the game more time and 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 play it some more. It definitely hasn't gr- like gripped me from the first two missions, and that second chapter intro was abysmal. Like I, it was almost soft putting that I put the game down and planned on not coming back to it. The tutorial, right? Which is almost what you did, or seemingly like what you did. It is what I did. Yeah. I mean, granted, the game came out a week before Metal Gear Solid Five, so I got distracted. But like, I I haven't finished the tutorial because I'm. This is what happened with Skyward Sword. I played the first like two hours of Skyward Sword and still hadn't left my little village, and so I didn't finish that game for like I didn't pick it up again for a year. After that, yeah. And then it turned out to be one of the best Zelda games. I mean, it was amazing, but but yeah, yeah, God, game makers just gotta figure this Pace, out. Man. Yeah, well, pacing is a very. As as I've become older and don't have the infinite time for video games, pacing has become a significant issue for me when I'm playing when I'm playing games. And I don't need like zero exposition and to immediately get into action unless your game is set up that way. Yeah, like there can be there can be exposition somewhere, but it it just it can't be that. Yeah, and I don't even know how that was possible to make that be okay originally because this was originally made for a portable system nobody's going to sit around for an hour and a half and walk around to school when they're playing a game in half an hour chunks that doesn't make any doesn't make any sense so i don't know what that was i think if you just muscle through it maybe it gets better we'll see once i start chapter three i'll let you know well let me know when to start chapter three all right yeah i can do that i just said i was going to do that i just said i was going to do that i said i will let you know 
updated feelings when I start chapter three. Right, definitely. Cool. All right, so uh, I guess, um, so maybe like next time you play the game, you can update me on, on your feelings after, I don't know, like chapter three? I might do that. Does that sound good? I might do that. Cool, great, awesome, fantastic. Well, hey, guess what? We're a member of the Gunna Geek Network. Do you know what that means, John? Uh. I, I don't. What's a I, what's a I geek? Actually, I actually don't either. We're geeks, John. We're geeks. Okay, so tell me about the Gunna Geek Network. Well, we're on it. I mean, that's impressive. Yeah. So hey, there we are. You know who else is on it? Who else is on it? All things good and nerdy. That's a it's, podcast. It's another it's a podca- podcast. It's a podcast like ours. I mean, it's not like ours. I mean, nothing's like ours. Nothing is like ours. But But, yeah, no, it's a podcast. You know, on their 178th episode, which, uh, by the way, is called The Willy Experience Part 3. Do you know that on that episode, which happens to have been posted on GunnaGeek.com this week? Do you know that this week, Naki couldn't be on the podcast, but have no fear. Willie D. Nelson joined the show to fill her seat. And on this episode of All Things Good and Dirty, the boys run down the news of the week, focusing on the age of Spider-Man in the Marvel comic universe? The MCU? Is that the MCU? I think so. I guess. The age of Spidey in the MCU? That'd be awkward if that's not what it sounds for. Weren't, weren't you? A, you were a comic book fan. I never was. Yeah, but I, I don't know MCU. It's probably Marvel Comic Universe. Y- University. MCU. It's Marvel Comic University. It's where MCU, they go to school. How Marvel will fit into the MCU. The Marvel uh, Comic University. It's the Mar- Oh, I, yeah, I bet it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Hold on. Let's wait for it. Yeah, it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There we go. All right, well, how will... Uh, yes, the boys run down the news of the week focusing on the age of Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Star Wars Battlefront beta being open to everyone, and the rumor that Hayden Christensen will appear in Star Wars Episode Eight. Did you hear that rumor, John? I didn't, but that doesn't sound like a... That doesn't sound like a smart idea at all. It doesn't make any sense. After the news, it's another round of clever cosplay with some stunning new cosplays on display. I didn't know they did clever cosplay. I must have missed the uh, when they debuted that. Too bad. Anyway, that's all things good and nerdy. Uh, check that out on the Gunna Geek Network at uh, GunnaGeek.com, where you can also find us and other geeky podcasts, as you well know. You can also follow us and subscribe to us on both iTunes and Stitcher if you have an Android device. So please subscribe to us on iTunes and or Stitcher. And more importantly, get, leave us a little review if you would be so kind and let us know what you think i think so far we actually have five stars on itunes which is really and if we continued that trend it would be even more greater i would even be willing to read itunes reviews on air if you write one that's true john will because john has an iphone and thus has itunes i don't even have itunes i just want you to consume us somewhere physically and then digest us and then poop us out because then you can do so while playing Hearthstone. That's one of my fetishes. That was a we- fed eye. What is? Being pooped out? The whole process. That's weird. Well, anyway, uh, will you? Well, somebody will be back next week or the week after. I'm not really sure. I actually think I know what I'm going to do for next week's episode, and it's going to be very left field. Very, because you're not. You're, I'm guessing you're busy. I'm. I can't record next week because I'm going to be uh, on business trips. Actually, so surprise oh mr businessman mr businessman mr manager yeah so i'm not a manager but i would like to be someday if you'd like to make me a manager email me at unqualifiedpodcast at gmail.com and as always if you're a game developer an indie darling anything like that and you're in the biz and you want to chat with us on the podcast we would love to get to know you better and do so it's unqualifiedpodcast at gmail.com i feel like and hopefully we're oh my hard drive is on its way back Oh my gosh, that's some of the best news. You're telling me, uh, yeah, my hard drive, it's been gone for like a month. This has been so inconvenient for me for you to work around my schedule so well. Yeah, it has been, I'm sure. So yeah, so starting, it's either going to get to my place tonight or tomorrow, honestly. So I'll be able to start recording and or editing from home, and I'm very, very excited. Uh, so, So look forward to that, listener. Back to YouTube. We'll be back to YouTube soon because I'll have my webcam back. Which I'm excited about because I just feel like it's easier to record when I can actually see you. As much as I hate that. Yeah. You have a horrific face. Yeah. And that makes it less fun for everybody. But well, that was that was news of the week. 
That was the intro to this episode of Unqualified Gamers. And now for the main podcast. John, do you have anything you want to talk about? I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. I'm just opening a bag of potato chips because I feel I'll need to satiate myself while we're recording this entire episode that's ahead of us right now. Because we didn't just record one. That's one of my fetishes. Which thing? The whole thing. The, the potato chips and then recording long. Recording long what? Say it again slower. <laughs> <laughs>